Well, good morning to you all. It's great to thank you. It's great to be here today. Um, we know that we are victorious uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we can take heart uh, that He has overcome the world. So, no matter what your challenges are today, the Lord is with you, and we can lean into Him, and we can know that uh, He has us. Um, after a few in-depth sermons of uh, the past several uh, meetings where we looked at uh, the battle belongs to the Lord and we looked at the context of the world as the Bible talks about and we looked into, into those truths of the Bible. You know, I was hoping to speak on a sermon with some warm fuzzies today, some good vibes and smiles all around. Um, but I, I, as I was praying uh, right after I preached three weeks ago, I, I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to speak on next time? And and a situation happened early in that week, and it, it, it put a message on my heart. But um, I've already had the message for three weeks later, and I'm really excited about that. Um, I think that will be very encouraging, and hopefully um, will give you that rejuvenation that you're looking for um, in, out of any sermons. But um, So today's message is on persecution. We hear about persecution all the time in, in Christian news about, you know, Churches being uh, attacked uh, or burnt down or uh, different relig uh, Christian groups around the world having some form of persecution. Um, it's, it's also a pretty prevalent theme in the Bible and one that we kind of overlook a lot. You know, nobody wants to you know, dwell on something like that. We'd rather dwell on all the uh, promises and the goodness of God. Um, but I believe it, it, did, it deserves some attention. We, know, we need to know how to... Uh, respond to it, how to pray about it, how to support our brothers and sisters that might be experiencing it. So I, uh, I created an opening prayer here that kind of recaps some of those messages and, and themes in the Word uh, from the past several messages that I had, and then also a petition to the Lord on, uh, to give us insight and wisdom. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we invite you into this service today. Through your word, you have given us insights into the spiritual realm here on earth. You have explained to us that you created and sustained all things, but you have allowed the fallen angels to influence the spiritual realm here on earth. You have stated that the leader of the fallen angels is Lucifer, and the Bible states that he is the God, small g, of this world. You allowed this to happen to give mankind a choice over good and evil, to fully test our free will. You have given us authority to power and to combat these spiritual forces through prayer, your word, through the Holy Spirit, and with the release of those heavenly of your heavenly angels that you command in the out of the throne room to complete their assigned tasks. As believers in Jesus Christ, you have told us that we will be persecuted for your name's sake, just as you were persecuted in this world. Lord, you tell us in the, the book of Matthew 10.16 to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves when dealing with the world's persecutors. Help us here today, Lord, to be aware of these snares and to give us wisdom and love to stand in these days. All for your glory, honor, and praise forevermore. Amen. In Matthew 5, um, chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. So that's what Jesus states in that, in that verse. 
Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. That is the scripture I, I, I gave to a Christian man that I spoke to recently, uh, a former teacher, um, that is being persecuted by a school district. In essence, they're saying all forms of evil against him, false accusations that can destroy him and his family. Based on some of the district's previous actions, I believe it's partially motivated by politics because he was suspended a couple times for having a presidential bumper sticker on his car on school grounds. But even more so, he was a very outspoken Christian uh, that represented biblical values uh, that was kind of in direct opposition of where the school district was going on some of their policies. It's a primary reason why that Lord put the, the message on my heart this week. So let's just take a look at persecution. 1 John 5, 9 says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. You know, that's something that we don't look at quite often. All those verses that are kind of splattered throughout uh, Scripture, especially in the New Testament, talking about the wicked one or the God of this world. Um, and we looked at Daniel a couple sermons ago and talking about the princes that rule over the different regions of the world and they're the fallen angels and that whole situation. Um, but persecution is to be expected because we do have, have people that are, not people, but spiritual forces that are against us in this world. The world and the enemy of our souls does not play fair. Often people are accused of crimes and sins that the accuser themselves are doing. The devil loves to accuse you of, of sin or put false charges against you so that they overwhelm you or um, drown you, you know, destroying your reputation in the process. One of the things to remember, though, is this is a spiritual war. It's not a physical war, but sometimes there are physical casualties as a byproduct of the spiritual war. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So all around us, there's the spiritual war going on, and it's, it's wrestling for the souls of men, of, of men and women. It's so easy to label people or people groups as the enemy, but we need to be careful about that, because God loves everyone and wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth, 1 Timothy 2.4. Remember, the God of this world is working overtime to blind the eyes of the unbelievers. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, it states, Those minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, least the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So, as Christ is trying to draw in through the Holy Spirit, he's drawing us onto him, into salvation. The God of this world's responsibility is to try to turn that light off and draw us away, testing our free will and seeing if we truly, God, wants, God our Father in heaven wants to know, do we truly love him and will we serve him? Let's look at some of the history of persecution. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It says all. It doesn't say some. At some point in your life, you might experience some type of persecution. And hopefully you'll remember this message at that point and have some tools to deal with it. 
Persecution started with our Lord Jesus. It manifested itself fully in the Sanhedrin trial of Jesus. This trial, which was highly irregular, illegal in nature, conducted in haste and hidden in the night, was not to try to determine innocence or guilt, but was to, according to Matthew 26, 4, take Jesus by trickery and kill him. Our enemy loves to do work in the dark, using all means of deception and to accomplish his goals. If you see persecution and you see lawlessness associated with the charges, things done in secret, chances are our enemy of our souls is behind it. The intent... <sighs> Wisely, you know, during that time, Jesus would take their questions. They would constantly question him, so they would trip him up and try to, you know, get him on some charges. But he would take those questions and turn it back to him and says, well, you told, this, told me this to be true, type thing. He was accused of many things, but ultimately they were trying to charge him with blasphemy so they could put him to death. This was that case with the Christian man that I spoke about earlier, that didn't know he was charged with these charges until he heard it on the news. The intent of the school district was to uh, hope that he didn't make his court date, and then, of course, he'd be convicted and then uh, consequently arrested. You know, that the, the whole theme of that, what's happening there, is the same type of theme that we would expect from the God of this world. John 15, 20 says, Jesus says, Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. If, you. if they keep my word, they will keep yours also. So Jesus, right from the start, you know, he was, he was challenged by the devil, you know, uh, 40 days and um, it, to try to stop Jesus uh, and stop the, you know, salvation and, and the cross. Um, Stephen, after uh, Jesus, uh, they had a bring in some uh, additional deacons to do some of the work of the early church. Stephen was first mentioned in Acts to fulfill the need of the widows being neglected in their daily distributions. So that was brought forth to him that saying, hey, some of these widows are not being fed. And that was brought to the, the uh, apostles. And the apostles like, well, we're preaching. We're, we're a little too busy to do that. So then they looked to the, the young church and tried to find people that would take care of those type of needs. Um, and uh, in, in Acts 6, 5, it says, And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. A few verses later, it says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs amongst the people. You ever notice uh, that the enemy goes after those that are most vocal or effective first? Uh, they must shut up the mouths and actions of those that are shining the light amongst the darkness of this world. The devil's goal is to keep you silent and your light dim. Completely contrary to the Lord's command in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Stephen spoke boldly in front of the Jewish communities, explaining the Old Testament and pointed out their mistake of crucifying their Messiah that the Old Testament was pointing towards. In Acts 7, 54, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God in the throne room. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. 
But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together and rushed at him. And they cast him out of the city, and there they stoned him. So that was Stephen, one of the first recorded martyrs uh, in, uh, in the new Christianity. Saul was interesting. He was first mentioned that I, I noticed uh, right after Stephen was stoned, the next verse is said, And witness laid down the garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul was one of the most determined persecutors of the early church. He was part of the Pharisee sect of Judaism, raised as a Torah or Old Testament scholar. He was one of the ancient, from the ancient Jewish school that was specifically exact in the interpretation of the law. So he was a very religious man. He loved God the Father, Jehovah. He loved him. He was a devoted person to God. In Romans 8, 1 through 3, and Paul approved of Stephen's execution. And there rose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentations over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. One thing to take away from Saul's experience is that our persecutors are not always these horrible, evil, demon-spawned people that are here to kill, steal, and destroy. Sometimes they're just misled or misinformed fellow humans, do-gooders per se, that just feel justified in their persecution actions. God saw that Saul was devoted to the Father but didn't understand the role of Jesus as the Son. He had to intervene to save his new church. Saul became Paul on the road to Damascus. Acts 9.3 says, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Saul, now Paul, became the greatest apostle of all times. He ended up writing 13 out of the 27 books of the New Testament. His extreme gratefulness is seen throughout the entire writings in the Bible. Putting, he was so thankful for being put on the right path. So, Paul started expanding, Paul and Peter and the other apostles started expanding Christianity throughout the realm, and the early church started to grow. But it wasn't until the Edict of Milan in 13, uh, 313 AD under Constantine that Christianity became a recognized religion in the Roman Empire. Rome controlled all the lands throughout the Middle East and, and you know, parts of Europe. Um, during that time, that between the 33 AD when Jesus was crucified and 313 AD, many Christians died horrific deaths. Have you ever heard of, anybody ever heard of the 40 Brave Soldiers for Jesus song? Nobody? Well, this is based on, if you go like to Christianity.com, there, there's some truth in this. There was 40 Roman soldiers that were put to death under a decree from Caesar not to worship uh, Jesus or the, you know, the God. So it goes something like this. In the first century, when 
Hadrian was emperor of Rome, he waged war against the Christians in the empire. Who, a group of 40 believers, also Roman soldiers, gathered together to worship in Sebasti, which lies, north, which lies just south of the Black Sea in present-day Turkey or Armenia. Soldiers surrounded them and said, Upon order of the emperor, your worship is of this so-called king of the Jews must cease immediately or you will be executed. Do what you will, answered the forty, even if it costs us our lives. So the Roman soldiers took them into a mountainous region, and it was winter time, and there was a small lake that was completely frozen over. The captain of the guard said, Here is one more opportunity for you to deny Jesus Christ, or we will place, it, place you on the lake until your body freezes. It is better to freeze for a night than burn in hell for all eternity, answered the brave believers. So the forty believers took off their clothes and sat naked on the ice. With teeth a-chattering and knees a-knocking, they sang, Forty brave soldiers for Jesus, forty brave soldiers for Christ. And the Romans looked on and mocked them. Occasionally the captain would call out, Come to your senses, men, deny Jesus for a moment. Come and be warmed by the fire and be saved. Occasionally the captain, Excuse me, but the believers would not budge and kept singing, Forty brave soldiers for Jesus, forty brave soldiers for Christ. After an hour or so, one of the Christians stood up, able to endure the pain no longer. He ran towards the soldier, saying, I deny Jesus Christ, and was welcomed by the warmed up by the fire. When he got there, the shock of the temperature change impacted his body, and he died. After one of the brothers left and turned away, the remaining soldiers on the ice, Christians sang. But they changed their song to, 39 brave soldiers for Jesus, 39 brave soldiers for Christ, will be true to our God instead death in the face as we perish on this lake of ice. 39 brave soldiers for Christ. One of the Roman soldiers observing the scene was so moved that he stripped off his clothes and ran onto the lake and said, No, forty brave soldiers for Jesus, forty brave soldiers for Christ. You know, our actions matter and in our examples matter. Whether we live or die is not the question. We're all destined to die once. The question that matters is, are we fulfilling Christ's call in our lives? And how is our lives impacting the lives of others around us for Christ's glory? Just a quick look at current persecution. There's a lot of stuff going around the world, but I won't focus on that today. But I'm just going to look at one verse here that starts in Isaiah 5.20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who puts darkness for light and light for darkness, who puts bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I think we're seeing Lucifer's influence more in these days. I think Tammy called, mentioned the word crazy. You know, there's crazy things going on. In the past years, we have seen an increase in lawlessness, no regard for law or structured society. We've seen crazy things like mobs burning down cities here in Wisconsin and other places. 
an open border that has uncontrolled floods of people entering our country within, without plan of integrating them into our society. Uh, no accountability of the powerful and the wealthy. Waiving sentences for crimes to promote a reoccurrence of crimes in our communities. And we're seeing those in some of the bigger cities. In a lot of cities, there's just a lot of, it's almost like a war zone in a few of our, our big cities in our nation. Matthew 24, 12 says, and because lawlessness will abound in, the, in regarding to the last days, the love of many will grow cold. We're starting to see that influence in our governments and education and media throughout the world. Pretty much anything that God outlines in the Bible, the world is, has a direct st stance against it. We can look at every verse from Genesis 1 to Revelations 22 and, and probably find that to be true. And I just picked out like a half a dozen here just to kind of make that point. God says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But you also often hear that the world says the earth was created by a big bang billions of years ago. God says, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image God created them. And the world says, your ancestors washed up on the shore as an amoeba. Later, your ancestors were a monkey or maybe some type of chimpanzee. God says, male and female, he created them. The world says there's 81 types of genders. God says the least of these will be the greatest in his kingdom. The world says the superstars and the rich and famous are the greatest. God says do not covet. The world says seek material positions and by all means have your Amazon lists up to date. God says do not take the Lord's name in vain. The world promotes the use of the Lord's name in vain, especially in movies and other things. You hear it all the time. You ever notice that non-Christians are always saying the word Jesus or that JC or GD? It's kind of interesting. If, if, if they're not Christians, why are you using his name, you know, the Lord's name in vain, uh, if you don't believe? God says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The world says, says Sunday is just another day to work and make money. Again, an interesting contrast is to see how Christian companies like Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby are doing with no Sunday hours. Uh, there's a Chick-fil-A going up in Eau Claire and now down in Onalaska, and you know, there's lines. You know, they have you know, four to six car lanes and just plump full of, of people interested in their products. Even God says, uh, do not forsake fellowship coming to church. The world and even many Christian believers, evangelical believers, believe that they do not need to go to church to grow in their spirituality. We could go on for this list for hours. Take one verse, and I, I bet we can find a strong con uh, contradictive narrative here on, in the world on each verse. It all points to a growing Luciferian influence in our world in the signs of our times. Whatever God says, Lucifer wants to say 180 and pull us away from the truth of God. Future persecution, you know, it's clear that the foundation of the persecution has already been laid. Very few Christ, uh, people are going to church anymore, let alone Sunday school. People do not know God nor his teachings. There is no longer a moral compass in our sh ship, a.k.a. the world is afloat. The world promotes pluralism and relativism. They believe that there is no absolute truth. They say, my truth is all that matters. There is no sin, just people that struggle. I hear that from my friends all the time. 
we don't need a savior. We just need enough to implement another help helpline, you know, to help those that are struggling. Technology and humanism, which is you might hear the word transhumanism, will solve all human suffering. The results of this world doctrine are found in 2 Timothy 3.5. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boisterous, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. From these people, we'll see an ever-growing persecution of the church in the days ahead. In Revelations 2.10, it says, Do not fear any of these things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison, that you may be tested, and you you'll have tribula- tribulation for ten days. Be thankful. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let them hear. What the Spirit says to the churches, He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And that's the death at the the white throne of judgment. Later in uh, Revelations, it talks about the martyrs uh, around the the base of the throne in, in the throne room of God, and they're saying, How long, Lord, how long before you avenge our our deaths. And he says, be patient, be patient until the right time. It's an ominous picture, but we can never forget that our hope is in Jesus Christ, and we have access to him and his throne room even today. He says, take heart, I have overcome the world. So he, he has it. He's bigger. God is so much bigger than what's going on in the spiritual realm. Jesus is so much bigger. But it is the process in which we live in. We can hold the line with the armor of God that the Bible talks about in the truth of his word. And we always have access to him uh, in his throne room through prayer. So to wrap it up here, um, how to deal with persecution. Some, some verses just to pull out of the Bible is be alert. Peter in 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober and vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood all over the world. So we need to be vigilant, be on alert. Know what what his schemes are. Just like we kind of pointed out some of his schemes before. If you see those kind of behaviors happening, and you're saying, "Ah, all right, I know who's behind it. Now I know how to deal with this. We are to resist the devil so he will flee. And we are called to be steadfast in faith. And, And just understand, we're not alone. People all over the world in, for, from 33 AD on has been experiencing some form of persecution at times. Have patience and trust in the plan. Jesus told us the signs of the end of the age. In Luke 21, 12, it says, But before all things they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before the kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by your parents, your brothers, your relatives, your friends. And they will put some of you to death. 
and you will be hated for all by my name's sake. But not a hair on your head will be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. So what this verse is telling us is do not worry how to defend the gospel. At that time, if you're ever put in that situation, the Holy Spirit will give you the words uh, to say at that time. We need to be patient and trust in God. You know, our, our, our eternity and the rewards that we're going to have in heaven, being with God, are so much greater than whatever trial we can go through on this earth. Uh, this is for a moment of uncomfortableness, you know, this physical reality that we have compared to our, our glory, glorious future in Christ Jesus and the peace that passes all understanding that we will have. And finally, behave like God's children. Paul outlines in Romans how to behave like Christians and how to deal with persecution. In Romans 12, 14, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sights of all men. If, if, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, be, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not advent yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. If, he, uh, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's a lot there, and just a quick summary is bless those that uh, persecute you. Bless, do not curse. You know, if you think back in the early church when Saul was just ravishing, going house to house, do you think that uh, the early church wasn't a little ticked off at that? And boy, Lord, just bring the hammer down on Saul. Stop him. Destroy him, Lord. Don't let him hurt any more of our fellow brothers and sisters. But if they would have prayed that prayer and God would have answered it, we probably wouldn't all be here today since Paul was just spread the gospel to the, to the heart of Rome and you know, beyond. Um, you never know who's persecuting you. could be the next Paul. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Just as my Christian friend, he's terrified right now. He has uh, several young kids and a wife that depend on him. So when you see somebody persecuted, support them, love them, pray for them, encourage them. Let them know you, they will get through this fire with the help of our Lord and Savior. Do not set your minds on things, but be associated with humble you know, if you want some instant persecution, uh, attack the world's narrative boldly and loudly with righteous indignation and uh, see how fast they try to clip your wings there. Pay no evil uh, for evil. Vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. You know, there's nothing we can do to punish those that are hurting others more so than uh, what the Lord's going to do on the day of judgment. Let God be God. You know, that's, that is his responsibility. I'm not talking about, you know, our laws and not having punishment. I'm just talking about what, you know, our responses to it. If it is possible, as much as it depends, live peaceably with all men. Notice the word says, if at all possible. You know, we're also to re remember, um, we're not church mice, you know, hiding away. Um, we're called to be the salt and the light of the world. Uh, 
and to um, go forth and make disciples of all nations and letting people know about Jesus and what he has done for us. Um, and so, you know, that might come into conflict with uh, the messages of the world at time. But Paul reminds us we can speak with all humility and kindness and, and to get our message across. So in summer, summary, persecution will happen and continue to increase in the days and months ahead. But we, we, we need to remember our Lord's words to us in Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Blessed are those who persecute you for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. It is for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So he's saying there is a blessing for you if you do go through some type of persecution for his name's sake here on earth. We need to remember back in Psalms 94.14, For the Lord will not cast off his people and will not forsake his inheritance. You are the body of Christ if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You are his inheritance. And he's not going to let anyone slip through his fingers, you know, if, uh, if, you know, if it is his will. Ultimately, we, we can play, pray with confidence because the Lord does not abandon his people. He may choose to relieve our suffering now, but even if he doesn't, we will be fully rescued and on, on the day when Christ returns. Above all, do not fear, for God is at work even in this growing presence of evil. Romans 8.28 promises, And we know that all things work together for good, for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. So no matter what you're up against now or in the future, if you're praying with faith, you know that all things work for good uh, for those who are, uh, love God and called according to his purposes. So hold on to that truth. And in closing, Matthew 28, 20, Jesus reminds us, Lo, and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He is with us, brothers and sisters. We are not alone. We can find peace and rest in him despite our circumstances because, he, because of his promises that he will never leave us or forsake us. So go in peace. Stand for Christ in all humility. Be the salt and light of the world until his second coming or until he calls you home.